She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode and I'm so excited. We have Dr. Pete with us today. He is the founder of the Athos Diet. Did I pronounce that right? That's right. It, it, perfect. Okay. Perfect. Okay. And so uh, his slogan is before there was Atkins, there was Athos. And so he's got three pillars, which are amazing. It's about intermittent fasting, high protein for 48 days and walking. We're going to dive right in. So welcome, Dr. Pete. Thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm very excited and passionate about the topic. And the Athos diet um, really has been in practice for probably a thousand years. And I, I borrowed the concept from a peninsula, a group of communities in Greece. And, and Greece, of course, already is sort of high on the charts for longevity and, and healthy diet and way of living. The Mediterranean diet, I think, sort of originated in Greece. But if, if you go even more closely into specific regions of Greece, some people there are living over 100 years. And why is that? Um, and, and me, uh, my last name is Patitsis, so I'm, I'm Greek blood. And, you, you know, I think all of us in our lives try to reach in deep to the things that we've been taught and try to figure out, you know, is there any merit in any of that stuff? And uh, so I, I'm a doctor in the emergency room, and I like to think I'm also kind of a scientist as well. And so what I tried to do was um, take old ancient concepts and see if I could validate them through a 21st century lens. And so, and, and, and at the same time, validate them, optimize them too, you know, because we can always make improvements and tweaks. And one of the, the biggest pillars of this three pillar approach is the intermittent fasting component of these uh, communities where they eat uh, over a, a small window of time each day, which I think resonates with, with our message uh, in our platform here today. Um, and also to uh, make sure you're getting enough protein. These, these people in particular consume uh, only sort of plant-based uh, sources of, of protein for certain periods of the year. And then finally walking, which um, is an ancient form of exercise, but I think all the studies suggest that it's probably the best of all worlds in terms of best bang for your buck. So, you know, that's, that's the Athos diet. And, and the slogan, as you mentioned, which is, you know, before there was Atkins, there was Athos, really when you start to break down what Atkins did, he, he helped his people lose a lot of weight, perhaps change a lot of lives, but he was doing it by reaching ketogenesis. He wasn't really doing intermittent fasting, but at the same time, intermittent fasting done right leads you to sort of the same state. Um, you, you eventually reach a state of ketogenesis, which we can talk about shortly. But in, in essence, I'd just like to remind the people that, you know, who knows, maybe Atkins went somewhere in Greece and, and learned a few things and, uh, and eventually brought back the Atkins diet to the world. But it started in Greece, just like everything. Well, I love that you talk about fasting. And one of the things that you talk about is the 24, where you're fasting for 20 hours, eating for four hours. I want you to kind of talk about that because for me personally, I know that if I start gaining a few pounds, um, I normally eat in about a six hour window. That's kind of, if I want to maintain my weight, I eat in a six hour eating window and that works well for me. But yeah, I, if I want to lose weight, 
Yes. For me personally, the way for me to lose it, it's a combination of things. And it, and one of them is to go down to a four hour eating window. Interesting. So Interesting. talk about that for just a minute. Yeah. So there's a, a number of ways we can, we can uh, sort of highlight or approach it. I mean, first and foremost, the average human being has about 17 hours, maybe 16 hours worth of glucose or glycogen in their liver. So those are all sugar storages in their liver and muscle tissue. And it takes about 16 or 17 hours to run through that. What's interesting about that actually is that, you know, considering that most people uh, sleep, you know, maybe eight hours in a day, the body's smart, right? It, it stores just enough energy to get you through your 24-hour day with sleep. But what's interesting about all that too is that if you limit the number of hours that you eat eventually you run through all those sugar stores in your liver and your muscle and now you start burning fat um, and maybe a small amount of protein for energy and this is a state of ketosis ketosis where you're using fat for energy primarily and there are a lot of health benefits to that. But just to say is physiologically, it takes 16 or 17 hours to run through that. So I can see why a person would say, hey, if I'm not gonna eat for a certain amount of the day, it has to be at least eight hours so you can reach that, that tipping point. Um, the next point though is, is that a lot of people who, who tend to eat maybe uh, six or four or maybe even one meal a day, um, they're then allowing their body to stay in that state of ketogenesis. And so for those hours that they're awake or, or, or asleep actually, um, their body's getting that extra benefit there. And, and what's interesting is, is what I'll say too, is that intermittent fasting separate from reaching that state of ketogenesis has its health benefits. And intermittent fasting has been shown to extend the lives of all mammals using it. And they've reproduced this in many studies across all species by 30%, 30%. So you know, you take a chimpanzee that lives a certain amount of time, 30% longer. I, I know the study about rats where they took a, an animal that normally lives uh, two plus years and eventually almost gets to four um, as a result of intermittent fasting. And so I don't know if you ever experienced this yourself, but you ever meet like a 95-year-old that, that looks young and maybe they might be like, they look like they're in their 60s. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that certain people are able to extend their life and they look younger and I think the, the physiological explanation for that is when you're intermittent fasting, one of the biggest boosts in, in hormone levels is growth hormone, growth hormone, which we know for yeah, Hollywood, the NFL, different athletes who might take it, you know, legally or illegally, um, they are getting that uh, artificially and it keeps them looking younger. It keeps their body strong. And that is a natural way of, of pulsing that. Um, the, this growth hormone, which is a very important one, and that's through intermittent fasting. Some people get a 3,000% increase as they're doing this diet on a daily basis. No wonder they live 30% longer. Hey guys, I'd love for you guys to listen to a podcast that we did about the side effects from wine and the differences between natural wine and traditional wine. So go to ChantelRayway.com slash wine and you'll see transcripts, you'll see some different episodes, but here's the thing. You can get your penny bottle now of dry farm wines and make the decision that if you're gonna have wine, to make sure you have the most natural, healthy wine in the world with no added additives, only natural ingredients. All the other wines out there have so much sulfate, so much sugar. Why put that poison in your body? So get your penny bottle now at chantelrayway.com slash wine. Yeah. Mm. 
So one of the other pillars that you talk about is having high protein plant-based preferred, which I think is so interesting because a lot of times what's happening is what I've noticed is people who do do more of a plant-based diet where I see them going wrong is they are eating so many carbs. And so they're eating too many carbs. And so I guess the question is, what are the foods that you're talking about that are plant-based that are super high in protein? Sure. Yeah, this is an excellent question. And, and just a little background, being Greek and Greek Orthodox, uh, since I think I was seven, I spend probably half the year as a, as a vegan slash vegetarian, depending on the nature of the, of the religious uh, holiday. Anyway, I only bring this up to say that I absolutely love meat. I'm a carnivore at heart, but for half the year or so, just by tradition, I guess that's what I do. But one of the problems I had as a kid, and really up until, I don't know, adult uh, adulthood, till I got a little bit more uh, smart about this, was I was also eating way too many carbs, all the wrong stuff. And to me, it was all fasting food. You know, the it, it didn't have meat in it, it didn't have dairy, so check, I could eat all the chips I wanted. But obviously, that is not um, the technique. And if you think about these ancient communities that were practicing this lifestyle, you know, they didn't have access to barbecue chips and, and candies of this nature. They're, they're eating very hearty food. Um, two points. One is there is high-protein plant uh, sources out there. Nuts, uh, pea protein supplement specifically is what I use a lot of, um, legumes, um, soy, tofu, uh, you know, everything has its pluses and minuses, but I will say that you can get to your protein goals with, um, with a vegan source of protein. It's a little bit more difficult. Uh, I do think that over time, they've shown that a lot of these plants, actually, when you find these, these plants actually down deep in the ground from thousands of years ago, evidently those plants have high, higher proportions of vitamins and protein than they do now. So, you know, you never know. It's just, it's just kind of interesting that Maybe uh, maybe in the old days, you know, when they were pulling stuff out of the ground to eat it, it really did have uh, a substantial uh, more uh, protein in terms of density content. But in any case, yeah, I mean, I it's in the book, but I do emphasize nuts, um, soya, tofu, uh, plants, um, pea protein for sure. These are all really excellent sources of, of protein and will keep your energy um, strong uh, throughout the day and will also allow you to recover from, from workouts if you choose to do them. So let's talk about walking because that's a big pillar. And I know for myself, when I'm adding extra walking for me, I really feel like I have, in order for me to keep my weight down, I've got to be walking about uh three and a half miles a day. That's kind of like the, the goal. And you talk about exercising for, for 30 minutes every day and walking is the best form. Is that kind of what you're saying that you're seeing keeps the weight off the best? Yes, it, it is. And, and the reason I, I, I think it's important to make a pillar like that when someone considers diet is because we're all sort of taught, you know, you imagine this person who's trying to make a transformation and they're changing their diet and they're exercising and punching punching bags and doing CrossFit. And I, I, what I really wanted to emphasize to people is that we don't have to overcomplicate it. You know, for, for most of us who are in the 21st century working in an office, um, and again, this is this is like old news to some extent, but validated through uh, 21st century science is that walking is actually the best bang for your buck. So it's not necessarily doing burpees and, and you know, sprints um, and, you know, doing all that sort of extreme exercise, although I really love that stuff. 
But while you're on this diet, you're trying to lean down um, and sort of get back to, to normal or, or perhaps even improve, uh, you know, walking is good on the joints. Studies at Harvard found, uh, followed 10,000s of people, uh, tens of thousands of people over decades to say, hey, what was the one thing they were doing right to prevent them from having depression, cancer, Alzheimer's, heart, um, heart attacks, diabetes? I mean, really, it's a panacea of, of outcomes. And, and it, was all, it was all walking. The, the most single most important thing from this Harvard study over decades was, uh, was walking. And it was 30 minutes. 30 minutes was the, was the magic number. When you go back even to ancient antiquity, you know, Greek civilization, uh, philosophers of all kinds, they're all walking and talking and, uh, and you know, sort of keeping a good, a good mentality as they're doing it. So we kind of have this ancient sort of perspective. We sort of understand it through the literature and through Harvard studies. And we can sort of see the outcomes now measured that that walking really is is as difficult as it needs to be. And and as you mentioned, I mean, put your podcast on and walk, keep the weight off in the short term, get a little boost. Um, it's it also releases growth hormone. It's an excellent form of exercise, and all you really need to do for the 48 days of the Athos diet. Hey guys, I'm so excited. My new book, One Meal and a Tasting is out now. And if you order the book on Amazon, just the regular paperback edition, if you go in and make a review, you will get the audio book for free. Send a copy of your receipt to questions at ChantelRayWay.com and you'll get the audio book right away. So I love that. And I will tell you for me personally, I know that when I go to the gym, and work out like extreme. So like, let's say I did like an extreme weights and extreme, you know, workout. What happens to me personally, I get so ravenously hungry. Like if I went walking for three miles or whatever, I'm, I don't end up eating anymore. But sometimes when I go to the gym, I'm really pumping weights. I'll come back and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. And then I end up eating more than I should because I get so ravenous. Well, I think part of the physiology probably to that, as I'm guessing, is that, you know, your body wants to recover and it needs electrolytes and it probably needs protein. Um, and they're probably quite starved of those two things. And so, you know, going back to the second pillar of the Athos diet is we really try to get people to at least at least 100 grams. You can imagine if you're a, a bigger guy, you might need a lot more than that. But 100 grams is the least I recommend on a daily basis. And, and what I find it's interesting. A lot of my patients and, and friends and family who are on this diet, um, they they find themselves now that they're 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 really managing their macros, not not to any sort of obsessive state, but they know at least they're getting enough protein. A lot of those cravings start to go away, and they feel that energy uh, consistently throughout the day and throughout the week, and they don't get sore. Um, and and so that that pattern doesn't begin. And so we we stop it again with a good source of protein. And, um, and, and, you know, a good form of exercise walking. So let's just talk about like, if you could give someone a perfect day, let's say they said, okay, I'm going to eat in a four hour window. Let's say I'm going to eat maybe from two to six. Okay. Give me what would be like the perfect meal in your opinion in that eating window. Yeah. Well, you know, first and foremost, you're waking up and you're just kind of reaching for non-calorie drinks all day. So you have all the water you want, all the coffee you want, as long as you're not adding anything artificial or um, any sweeteners to it. And you go about your day imagining this eating window, which is going to open up in the afternoon. And suddenly all the boring sort of mundane parts of your regular meal starts to become special again. 
you know, because you know that it's limited, you know that you have a window, it's confined, and you're looking forward to it. So psychologically, you just start to turn on, like, like you're more aware of what you're eating and why and when. So you get to, let's say, two o'clock, and you know your eating window is going to end at six. And um, depending on what I'm going through anyway, I usually start out with a really uh, high protein, um, uh, dense shake. So I take, you know, two scoops of protein powder, and I put it in a a whole bunch of berries, uh, bananas, um, fruit, you know, all things you can imagine, maybe a little dark chocolate, uh, oat milk, and I just whip that up. And right there and then I get probably about 50 grams of, of my protein in for the day. Um, then probably, you know, 45 minutes later, I'm, I'm sort of sitting down for that big dinner-like meal. And at that point in time, I, you know, there's probably some olive oil, a little bit of bread. Um, and then I'm either eating shrimp, which is totally fine to have, um, um, eating a lot of shrimp, a lot of seafood. That's not, I feel great when I eat a lot of shrimp. I will tell you, I eat a lot of shrimp and I feel great doing it. You know, what's funny is I I had these Greek, Greek boyfriends of mine. They were, uh, they owned a restaurant and they were always just so like chiseled during the great Lent, which is, you know, in, in Greek speak is like a 48 day period where you're not eating any meat or dairy. Most of us are just kind of suffering through it. These guys just look fantastic the whole way through. And the reason they were is because they were eating octopus and calamari and shrimp like every day from the restaurant. So they were they were following the, the, the guidelines, but they were just like super high on protein, just doing doing great things. So anyway, I, like I said, going back to that four hour window, I recommend shrimp. I recommend calamari. I recommend uh, octopus. And you can really get creative in how you prepare that and make make some variety from it. But believe it or not, with with that meal and, and the protein shake, you are well over 100 grams easily. And um, and you're feeling you're feeling satisfied as you're as you're going through the evening, going back to sleep again. And what I like to tell people is when I organize your diet, I I basically say that you'll probably lose about 10 percent of your body weight in 48 days, which is pretty ambitious. And we've we've replicated this on a number of of uh, people and studies. And um, to to say that uh, when you're sleeping you are actually starting to switch over from that sort of sugar heavy fuel to ketogenesis that when you wake up in the morning the next day, boom, your body's not confused, you're burning fat for for fuel. And that's a very high, um, high sustainable even form of energy. And and you're ready for the day. So I, I, I pick the macros intentionally so that you're recovering. Yes. But also, by nature of limiting your eating window, by the time you wake up in the morning, you're already in ketogenesis and your body's ready to go and you're feeling high energy and you're going to keep that until two o'clock or whenever you choose to, to break the fast, so to speak, later in the day. Hey guys, I really want you to join our Intermittent Fasting and OMAD Facebook group. We're doing tons of giveaways right now for posting your before and after pictures and just for posting a question in there. We're giving away free protein shakes, some digest aid, all kinds of fun stuff. So please join our Intermittent Fasting and OMAD Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. So I want to ask a listener question that that put one in. This is from Karen in New Lenox, Illinois. Hi, what are your thoughts on sparkling water? AAH or AHA bubbly LaCroix. It helps me get through the hours and curb my hunger, but I can't find any information on whether it's good or not. Thanks, Karen. So I'm sure she's talking about the flavored 
um, sure. just the different flavored LaCroix and stuff like that. So what's your opinion on those? I mean, it, it's all it's all about return on investment. But first and foremost, you're already making great strides by by doing intermittent fasting. Second, by by reaching for water and staying very well hydrated, that really is key. And, and actually, I have to admit, I drink a lot of sparkling water um, outside, outside of my eating window. And that really seems to help me with sort of that, I think that mechanical hunger that a lot of people feel, you know, your stomach is also smart. If there's not stuff in it, your body sort of tells itself, hey, there's, we probably need to fill it with something. So if you have carbonated drink, that's brilliant. Um, what I'd like to tell people is avoid the artificial sugars, the artificial sweeteners, um, you know, there's, uh, we're, we're only so smart as a population. And I think as years pass on, we're going to start to realize that a lot of this stuff is just not optimal for health. But, but I will, I will say though, is that, you know, sparkling water with, with the natural flavors, uh, maybe, you know, is, is actually just fine. I, I think that's a great, a great way to kind of take care of yourself throughout the day and give, give your taste buds a little bit of something, um, to keep you going, going forward. Yeah. And I feel like there's kind of two streams of thought. It's the people who are like, these are the strict people. These are like the straight and narrow. And then they have the not so strict. Uh So the people who are strict would basically say you can have black coffee, black tea, green tea, or water, and that's it. And they're like, anything else besides that, forget it. You're completely as a no. Right. And then the not so strict would say that so long as the beverage has no calories, then no harm, no, you know, no foul, like as long as it's zero calories, but the seltzer waters, you know, some of them are flavored with natural flavors. Like some of them have essential oils, Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, those people from, from even, so it's kind of like, I guess it would say like the strict and then it would be like the medium and then it's like not so strict, right? So like this, the strict school would say nothing with any flavor or anything that would activate any kind of enzymatic pathway or, you know, any kind of substance requiring processing by your liver. And so they would say like no natural flavors, no this or that. And other people say that, well, well, actually, if you want to be strict, some people would say even tea or black coffee is out. Not many, but there's like a couple people would say, if you want to be like the supreme supreme, then you should be having water only. Right. So it's kind of like what, which path do you want to be on? That's really what it kind of goes through. But for me personally, I agree with you. If we're talking about any kind of artificial flavor, I am against it a hundred percent because I do feel like that does can spike your insulin. And the only way to really know whether it spikes your insulin is for you to get. And I, I wore, even though I don't have diabetes or anything for the longest time, I always wanted to see exactly what would affect my blood sugar. Mm -hmm. And I wore a Dexcom uh, monitor. And if you haven't listened to our episode about continuous blood glucose monitors, that is one episode you really need to go back to. But for me, even black coffee did spike my insulin a little bit. So you could watch, you could watch when I drank a cup of coffee, maybe I'd be at 75 and then it would bring me to maybe 80 or something like that. And then if you watched me actually 
if I had fat in my coffee, so let's say I put a little bit of coconut oil or MCT oil, my blood sugar actually went down. So truthfully, the only way for you to really know what's happening in your body would be to kind of get one of those blood glucose monitors to really see what is happening when I drink this. And I think that's sort of the, the wild part of, of the 21st century is that we have monitors now that can show us instantaneously where we are with our sugars. And in the old days, you know, um, there was just sort of this worked out, slow progress moving tradition that was optimized perhaps over centuries to finally say, hey, does this feel right or not? And and it's I always find it just fascinating that, you know, you can wear a monitor of, of that or maybe you're checking your cholesterol weekly or monthly and you're kind of seeing the effects of a certain diet and you start to realize, Heck, you know this this uh, ancient this ancient way of doing things actually has some merit, and it's not just for the sake of uh, you know pur purging your mind and making you go crazy for for uh, for a month. Um, but but to that point too, you know, and there, there's so many things we could talk about with with intermittent fasting and and the things that we're doing there physiologically. But um, I, I do think that people really feel overall much better. You know, it's it's not really a discipline in the sense that it's somehow a a weight that you have to carry for 48 days. But I would say by day three or four, people are really soaring. And they're kind of starting to realize with that paradigm shift that they're doing the right thing for their bodies, for their health, for their lives, um, for their loved ones. And they're getting they're getting results that really matter. You know, when you're losing a pound a day, some people um, lose two pounds a day in the beginning of this diet, uh, you really see your return on investment. Um, and I've had some, some, some morbidly obese people on this on this uh, diet who really can't go to the gym and do CrossFit and do anything fancy, but they're able to follow these three prongs and they get massive results. And uh, they're gonna you know, live, live longer to tell the tale. And when you, when you work in the emergency department as a doctor like me, you start to realize that you just, you can't take your health for granted. This is not a discussion about, um, about vanity. It really is a discussion about health and longevity and um, beauty and health correlate. But at the same time, uh, people have to understand that this is more about um, being there for their families and being functional. And so the Athos diet, I think, is is one of these answers uh, for people to get their lives in order, their de their diet and their their lifestyle sort of in in a row and and marching through forty eight days. it's a great it's a great life and biohack for for losing weight um, and for improving their health in a number of different ways. And it's uh, it's a book that I've been very passionate about, and it works. and it's been really fascinating to see people's outcomes. Well, this has been awesome. Tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you. Thank you. Yeah. So we have the Athos Diet, the Athos Diet, um, you know, dot com. But we also have a Facebook group called the Athos Diet. Um, YouTube also has some some great podcasts and, and shows that we've been featured on um, that we we're excited to share with people. And then on Amazon and Walmart, uh, Amazon, Walmart, you can buy our book uh, and have it sent straight to your home. Uh, we've had people buy this book literally from all seven uh, uh, seven continents. Should I say seven? Is Antarctica one? Anyway, not from there, but uh, from from all the the civilized co continents. Um, and people continue to read the book and ask me questions, and I'm very receptive to answering and troubleshooting their uh, their diet as they go through those 48 days. So we're online and and with everyone else, you know, throughout the globe, I guess at this point. Awesome. Well, you guys stay tuned. We've got another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.